Hi, uh, my name is Trevor. I'm Jared's brother, uh, and I'm feeling titillated about playing some D&D today. It's a nice rainy day, so it's, it's a good day to be inside. This is Chat Dragon, a talk show and actual play podcast about sci-fi, fantasy, and the world's most beloved game of make-believe, Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Jared, and I'm your host. I am a newspaper reporter by day and a dungeon master by night. I decided to start this podcast for purely selfish reasons, and that is to have a reason to talk to interesting people about interesting topics all through the lens of D&D. Each episode, I talk to friends, family members, and tabletop role-playing creatives about this beloved hobby. The conversations are driven by dice, and the games driven by our imaginations. Greetings, everyone. Today is the inaugural episode of the Chat Dragon podcast. Um, I'm your host, Jared. I'm with my brother, Trevor. And how this podcast works, basically, is that it's a two-part podcast split between into two different episodes. The first episode is a short actual play that I will do with my brother, and the second part will be a interview, uh, or the second episode will be an interview. So you'll want to come back next time or next week or whenever the next episode gets released to hear the second part, to hear my interview with my brother. So uh, to start, Trevor, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, nothing too exciting to report. It's, it's a rainy day here in, in southern Michigan. So, yeah, not, not much going on. Like I said, I mean... Feeling very titillated, though, for this game. I'm excited. Yeah. So, um, since this is the inaugural episode, I have a little bit of an introduction. Actually, I have several introductions. Uh, just to kind of explain how this D&D part of the game is going to go. So, um, just for everybody, including yourself, Trevor, uh, just to explain how the actual play portion works, I'm just going to read you this short little thing that I have written. So, Ruby. So just in case you or the listener aren't familiar, the sidekick, which is the game we're playing today, is played using a modified version of D&D, but takes some inspiration from games such as Dungeon Crawl Classics, Fade RPG, Lamentations of the Flame Princess, and the 5e Hardcore Mode rule sets. The game is played between just the two of us, and much like the childhood game of Telephone, what, what happens tonight in our game will have a direct effect on the next person who plays it. So if the character's maimed, killed, or injured, the next person playing the game will have to deal with those consequences. Any lore or character details that are established this evening will be part of the sidekick story canon moving forward. Some general changes to the game you should probably know about include there are no death-saving throws or magical spells slash incanta- incantations that, have, that can revive a dead player, but a player can be stabilized back to 1 HP if someone has medical training and the necessary medical supplies. Combat is not without consequences. The amount of damage dealt to a player requires a roll on the maiming table. Using a dice chain, players roll different die on the table depending on the severity of the injury. The character of Todd the Heroic, who is going to be your employer in this game, does not level up since he is a bumbling rich idiot. Instead, he boosts his stats with expensive gear and equipment that he buys or finds. The sidekick, which is you, Marigold Thundercrack, levels up not only through his experience in battle, but also through training. Gold must be acquired and spent to level level up the character. Guests can choose to level up a character either at the beginning or end of a game session, but they must have the necessary amount of gold to do so. As an employee to Todd the Heroic, you receive about 20% of all the loot, all the gold collected. 
This game is not set in any particular D&D setting. This is not the Forgotten Realms, Eberron, Ravenloft, and etc. So, uh, after that, quick disclaimer. Is there anything that you feel like you need some clarification on, Trevor? Um, so, is the game, because you said I get, what, 20% of the gold that's found? Yeah, so if, for whatever reason, gold were to be found this evening on any sort of thing, say you, there's a cash register and you rob the cash register or whatever, you would have to, we would have to determine, you would take 20% of that as your cut. Since you are in the employment of our, you're the sidekick. So since you're in the employment of our rich, idiotic hero, Todd the Heroic, um, he would get the remaining amount. Gotcha. Okay. I think I said that backwards then. All right. Great. Sounds good. Just some for some background for you and the listeners as well. The character of Marigold Thundercrack is very much a work in progress since this is like a game of telephone. Like I said, anything this evening will be canon moving forward. But just to start, we have a, sh- a little bit of knowledge about this character prior to the game. So this just keep this in your back pocket. I want you to know this information. The sidekick's real name is Marigold Thundercrack. Um, our main character, or our hero, Todd the Heroic, doesn't. He's very bad with names, so he doesn't ever seem to remember your real name and will seldom call you by your real name. Uh, but Marigold uh, comes from a long line of artists, which is where his unusual sounding name comes from. As a boy, he was very sensitive about his not- name, which led him to pursue a more physical sort of lifestyle that went against his family wishes. He's only been working with Todd the Heroic for about a month or so. He is just one person in a long list of sidekicks that have partnered with Todd. Most of the previous ones have died. The few that haven't retired rich, but wound up wound up losing a limb or two. The few that haven't retired, uh, or have retired, are rich now, but wound up losing a limb or two in the process. Not a great track record with this guy. Seems concerning. Okay, so Trevor is just writing some things down, taking some notes. Trevor, what kind of notes are you taking right now? Uh, well, I'm just trying to get the, the backstory stuff. Um... So that when I'm playing, you know, I, I I can remember maybe some of these interpersonal dynamics. I'm wondering, though, um, a question. So if Todd has gone through many sidekicks already, is that, like, well-known? Is that Does he have a reputation? Or is that something I'm kind of unaware of coming into my position here? Um, I think you would be aware of it to an extent. Um, to the general public, no, but someone in your line of work would probably be aware of it. But Todd pays well. He's a wealthy patron. Um, and you kind of being uh, like a sort of a mercenary for hire type might be not as bothered by that. You know, I don't know how you would want to play the character, but perhaps you're more concerned about living a life of glory than maybe a lot than a long life of quiet solitude or what have you so i don't know how you want to play that but yeah you would probably be somewhat aware of that maybe even having met a replacement or two along the way have any of his past sidekicks been successful or have they all kind of had this doom you know injuries or death or whatever i would say more of them have died than have survived and the ones that have survived, like I said, have been maimed or injured in some sort of way, either psychically or physically, uh, just from sort of the stuff they've had to go through. But they're now pretty wealthy people. Um, maybe not as wealthy as Todd, but they're 
probably upper middle class. Gotcha. Okay. It sounds like a real piece of crap. No, sounds sounds good. <laughs> it's all about those dollar dollar bills. Okay. So just to introduce this scenario uh, that we're jumping into. <clears throat> Previously, on the sidekick, Todd the Heroic and his adventuring sidekick, whose name he still hasn't learned, finds themselves in the middle of a card game with a fearsome pirate, Jason St. Josephine, at the Black Eye Tavern in the port town of Cutlass Hollow. Todd and his sidekick are seeking passage to Blood Skull Island, a place thought to be filled with monstrous horrors, plenty of treasure, and happens to be the perfect place for a would-be adventurer to make a name for himself. Seeking to impress the pirate captain, who is known far and wide as a degenerate gambler and womanizer, Todd makes a lewd comment towards the barmaid delivering his beer. However, unbeknownst to him, this isn't just any barmaid, but is in fact Jason St. Josephine's younger half-sister, Mary McClintock. The action doesn't go unnoticed by the pirate captain, who shares a few choice four-letter words with our hero and then draws his cutlass to do battle. With a challenge made clear to both parties, Jason St. Josephine seeks to duel Todd the Heroic, preferably to the death, but is open to the maiming of a limb or two. But Todd is never one to do things the honorable way. Motioning to his sidekick to jump the enraged pirate, a brawl ensues, and Jason St. Josephine's messenger monkey, Simeon, flees the scene to get help. Alright, so, if you, if you have Owlbear Rodeo in front of you, you should see this scene of a bar. Um, do you have that open, Trevor? I do. Okay, so, just for the listener uh, to know, um, the equipment I typically like to use for virtual uh, for online games is Owlbear Rodeo. Uh, there's other systems online uh, that you can use. Some that are probably more impressive to look at, but I like this one. It's very simple to use. One of the things that we're going to be doing in this game is we're going to be borrowing a little bit from the Fade RPG rules, which allows us to set create aspects for our game. So, uh, Trevor. What that would basically mean is, as a group, you get, as a player, you're also going to get to be kind of like a pseudo dungeon master here, and you're going to help me kind of establish uh, what makes up, makes a good tavern. So we're going to think of things like, I have a few on here already, it says wet ground, presumably from beer or whatever, some of the you know beer that was spilled in broken bottles. So there's probably some broken bottles on the ground from the the fight that has already kind of started um and then these things can be used by you to boost your roles later on so if you can think of creative ways trevor what are some other things that would make up for make a good tavern scene sure so i would say first off the smell there's going to be that kind of stale yeasty smell of, of ale and uh, and alcohols and stuff. Probably some sort of roasting meat smell, I would guess. There's still splashes of blood from last night's brawls um, splattered on you know, different tables, maybe against the wall. There's obviously not... Let's go back to the smell. Let's focus on the smell. It's really important. <laughs> um, there's, no, there's no plumbing. So... Um, I don't normally look at the map here. Is there is there a bathroom? Presumably you'd have to go outside for the bathroom, right? So I guess there's probably no smell there. But there's probably something wafting from wherever that is. So that's kind of adding a nasty element. Porches for light. So kind of a dim half-light, I would guess. That's just the scene setting. I guess you probably want more just like interesting things going on. Uh, sure. What about 
I like to think about the ground. So I'm thinking maybe there's some peanuts on the ground. Um, if you go to those sorts of places where they let you eat nuts and throw the the sh- uh, shells on the ground, do you think that maybe fits in with this setting or what? Well, you... it's a port town, it looks like. So I'm going to say there's probably, instead of peanut shells, probably like crab shells or um, empty like oyster shells. So there's going to be kind of more like a, a seafood type thing, kind of maybe littering about. And then um, mm-hmm. there's, there's probably, since everybody sort of cleared out of this uh, place once the brawl ensued, there's probably plates of food and beer just left on the tables as well. Makes sense. So still, still kind of warm food. Um, and I'm going to say it's probably going to be some sort of like, probably still the seafood stuff, but then you're going to have some meat on the bone, some mutton, all that kind of stuff, which could be used for, you know, maybe an impromptu weapon that's still on the bone, uh, used correctly. So there's probably some, some forks and knives, right, on the tables as well. That could be helpful. I think we have a good start and we can always um as the imagination flows and the creativity flows we can sort of start creating aspects on the fly so if you're in the midst of a fight and a role doesn't go well and you can you know within reason um and it's something that doesn't seem too outlandish think of an aspect that you could possibly invoke say you get knocked into a table and or a chair and the chair splinters you could maybe somehow use that to your advantage to say there's broken chair splinters now or whatever. So we can kind of continue to create aspects as long as they make narrative sense um, in the game. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a little white sticky note here. So um, that sticky note is just a reminder that uh, if you invoke an aspect and it's done so in an inspiring manner, uh, you will get plus two to your role. So to set the scene, uh, we have our players. Uh, we have St. Jason, St. Josephine, uh, kind of um, standing here at the bar with Todd the Heroic, who is kind of a blonde, handsome-looking fellow. Next to him, kind of in a fight. Your character, Marigold Thundercrack, is just maybe a few feet behind him, coming up from behind, and then kind of behind the bar is this woman, Mary McClintock, who is Jason St. Josephine's half-sister. And then outside the bar, there are several patrons that have fled. Okay, so, um, just to begin, uh, Jason St. Josephine screams, You jerk! That's that's my sister! Uh, through a face full of broken teeth. He takes a swipe at Todd the Heroic, who not so nimbly tries to step backwards out of the way of the blade. Todd slips and falls on a wooden beer stein. The blade goes whooshing overhead, clipping some of his golden locks. Todd massages his butt, his pride more wounded than he is. Wait, 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 he pleads with the pirate captain. It was all a misunderstanding, but Jason St. Josephine refuses to hear Todd out and readies his blade for another strike. So Todd is, uh, he's lying there kind of on the ground. Um, And Jason St. Josephine is sort of uh, lumbering towards him. He's standing over top of him. And you, Marigold Thundercrack, what is your, I guess, how do you proceed? Yeah. Um, quick point of clarification, because you said he did it through a mouth of broken teeth. Did so? Did I miss? Did I miss? Did he already hit him? Did, did you say that? No, I don't think I did. I, I don't think I established that, and that is probably my mistake. Um, let's assume that uh, 
I mean, I don't know if he just has like jacked up teeth. Like maybe. And let's assume he's a he's a. I don't know. He's he's a pirate. He's been on you know he's been out to sea. Let's assume his nutrition isn't good and he's he's got some bad teeth that have either rotted, decayed, broken. You know, he's not not look. He's looking a little worse from where maybe. Is, is skirt is bad teeth is a sign of scurvy it's some sort of malnutrition thing right so sure yeah i think the medical term is a uh, stank mouth he has some stank mouth so okay so he has a bit of stank mouth <laughs> and todd is laying on the ground your character is coming up behind okay um so he he's just fallen on his rear his his barely he's neoed the blade I think the first thing going through Marigold's mind is, you know, he, he's, he's kind of getting some flashbacks of all the stories he's heard about how Todd's other sidekicks wind up getting hurt or killed. Um, and it, it's kind of all making sense. I mean, here he is, fresh on the job, and he's already finding himself in a fight. So he's, he's a little hesitant. He, he actually doesn't react right away. Um, or I don't react right away as Marigold. So I'm, I'm pulling out my sword, but it's kind of half-hearted. And I don't, I don't know if that pisses Todd off or not or something, but um, he, he doesn't jump right in. So Saint Jason St. Josephine, he takes a swing at Todd, uh, and Todd is doing sort of like this, like tuck and roll sort of thing where he's rolling into a ball and he's rolling left to right, kind of dodging the blades as they come smacking down and hitting into the ground. Jason St. Josephine, he goes, let's say he's done this two, three times, and on the fourth time he goes and he brings his sword down and he it lands into um, a bit of, I don't know, broken wood from a, a chair that might have shattered um, in the process of, um, some would have broken somehow during this brawl that's insured. And Todd is kind of screaming like, over here you idiot. Do your job. I need your help. So he's just kind of, kind of, you know, he's kind of talking down to you a little bit because he's in this sort of moral danger, um, and he wants you to get over there and help him. Sure. I just, I was just thinking it might also be helpful for listeners to know. So my weapons, I have a long sword and I have a long bow. And I don't know if there's anything else that's helpful right now. Okay. Um, so okay, so so those are my two weapons. So I, you know, I'm I'm kind of snapping out of my my initial hesitation because first off, it's, it's a man, you know, who's going to get killed. I'm going to watch him get killed right in front of me. So even though I I do have a little bit of uh, self-preservation concerns, I I you know I want to be a hero. This is just part of the gig. You gotta you gotta put life and limb on the line. So I I pull out my sword. Uh, and I shout, I, I shout at uh, Jason St. Josephine. I say, hey, stank mouth. Uh, I don't know. Uh, how'd you get, what do I yell? What's gonna get his attention? Uh, hold on, <laughs> let me think about this. It can't be too offensive. I just shout, yeah, I go, hey, stank mouth. And then I go, just, I just charge at him with my sword. Okay, I like it. So we're learning a little bit more about Marigold in this first inaugural episode and that he's a bit of a trash talker, but he kind of can lose his train of thought as well pretty easily mid trash talk. So you charge at him, you said, right? And are you pulling out your blades or what are you charging at him with? Yeah, oh yeah, I, I already pulled out, I unsheathed my sword. So I'm, I'm running at him. 
No, actually, I don't. No, I don't. I I just go to tackle him because I'm hoping to to de-escalate the situation. Okay, so you uh, you take him by surprise. Let me pull up his stats really quick. So you take him by surprise. So uh, because he was so involved with what was going on with uh, the heroic that. Uh, you end up having advantage on this. So if I could have you roll your a strength check with your say strength athletics check. So go ahead and roll um, strength athletics with advantage, which just means you roll twice and take the highest of the two. Uh, D20? Yep. Uh, five and 11. So you just add, if you have modifiers, which actually don't, yeah, you do. It looks like you have plus four to athletics. So if you want to just add that, tell me what that total oh, ends up being. Athletics. Oh, um, well, my highest roll is 11, so that put me at 15. Okay, so uh, it looks like he has an armor of 14. I'm using the the pirate captain stats for Saint Jason St. Josephine from the Ghosts of Saltmarsh. And... You manage to you manage to tackle him to the ground. So you tackle him to the ground. And since I would say, since this is kind of a surprising thing, uh, I'll give you another chance to do something. So are you going to, uh, I guess, punch at this guy? How are you going to, uh, are you punching down at this guy, wailing on him, or are you looking to do something else? Yeah, I mean, again, I think at this point, I'm trying to de-escalate still um, because, you know, for all intents and purposes, kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. Todd definitely had some deplorable behavior with the um, server, but it's not the first time I've heard language like that, you know, in a tavern. So I'm a little shocked by this. So I, I again, I, I don't want to over-escalate the situation. So I think what I try to do is I try to, so I've tackled him, I'm on top of him, and then I, I grab his arm and I'm trying to like bang it against the ground to knock his sword out of his hand. Okay, uh, as you're doing that, a basically a, uh, a, a beer glass goes whizzing by. It looks as if Mary McClintock, uh, the barmaid that Todd was inappropriate with, is kind of tossing uh, bottles at your guy, you, you and Todd, and she's trying to kind of support or provide some sort of defense against you guys while um, while her brother fights you. So I'm going to roll a d4 to see who who her next beer bottle is targeted towards. Okay, so I rolled a 4. So odds odds Todd would have been hit and evens uh, you were hit. So I rolled a 4 so you the a beer bottle comes uh, crashing into you. And I'm going to roll for your the damage. And it does, I would say, uh, six damage. So if you can subtract six. Does uh, my armor class affect this at all, or do I just go right to the hit points? Oh, actually, uh, you're right. It should be your armor class. Uh, what's your armor class? 16. 16. So uh, I guess the bottle hits you, probably sucks a little bit, or maybe it even misses. So do you, I guess, how do you... Um, I guess what happens after that bow goes past you? How do you react? First off, that's just good service, right? She's trying to give me my beer as fast as possible. So to a certain degree, it's appreciated. But again, you know, I still I still think at this point, I'm, 
I'm not trying to escalate. I'm still, I think, trying to get the sword out of out of Jason St. Josephine's hand, uh, and I'm yelling at Mary, like, like, stop, stop, like, like, we don't want to fight, we don't want to fight, um, and so I'm still just again trying to get that sword out of his hand while she's doing that. And if she still continues to throw and it's missed, and I mean, we've already established um, there's some refuse here on the ground. So there's some broken wood from a chair, looks like right next to me. Um, mm -hmm. So I think I, I take some of that. If I'm, if I'm unsuccessful getting the sword out, I, I maybe take some some wood. I just kind of throw it her way. As I'm, but I'm still yelling, like, stop. But I'm getting frustrated. Okay. Uh, so the wood goes whooshing by, and then it, it causes Mary to kind of duck behind the bar, and she takes cover for just a second. You have that opportunity to, to to focus on getting that sword out. I want that sword out of his hand. What do I do to, to know if I'm if I'm succeeding? Right. Well, let's see what he does in response to you. So, I would say looking at some of the status effects, he he would, he I'd say he's restrained at this point. So he can't move. He can speak. I would say, but he automatically fails strength and dexterity saving throws. Attack rolls against a creature have advantage. Okay. So. I don't know if he should automatically fail because he's just kind of being grappled, right? I guess he's grappled, maybe. Is the rules for grappling? And I've, I've startled him with my with my tackle, right? I mean, a lot has happened, I guess, since that. But he's fallen. It's I immediately go for the sword. Yeah, I would say he. You're grappling with him, so uh, just for the sake of, I would say he has to make a strength athletics check higher or greater than maybe your armor class to see if he can get out from underneath you. So I'm going to see if see if he is able to struggle free. Let me roll, roll my d20. Ooh, I got a nat 20. So he automatically gets out automatically. So he, um, he is shaking himself. He's moving. He's squirming. He's doing a little bit of jujitsu from the bottom. And he manages to uh, get a leg kind of in between him and you and shove you off of his him, kind of causing you to fly a little bit into, oh, whoop, I have the post-it notes still open. Causing you to kind of fly into a backwards into a table um, and kind of knocking you on your butt right now. So uh, Jason St. Josephine has up and he starts, he has, now his attention's divided. He's not sure if he should go for Todd the Heroic or Marigold Thundercrack. But Todd seems to have made it easy for him, and he has actually uh, managed to flee not out of the out of the tavern, but he's fleed to the other side of it, and he's ducking behind a table now, and he's like kind of a real hero. Yeah, like a real hero. But keep in mind that the only witnesses to this fight right now are uh, Jason St. Josephine, Mary McClintock, and the two of you. So he might tell you a tall tale later on that makes him look a lot better than us because that's the kind of sure. guy he is so right. he he's hiding behind this table but he's being very uh he's sharing he's giving his commentary he's giving you orders and jason saint josephine sort of stalks towards you as um he's ready to uh since todd's basically made a decision for him he's jason saint josephine's gonna have to go through you before he can get to todd but meanwhile, Mary McClintock decides to uh, start throwing things again. So let's see how she uh, see how she does. So once again, I rolled a d4. 
uh, rolled an even, so she's tossing a bottle at you your way. Let's see if uh, she can hit hit you. Um, I rolled a d20. I rolled an 11 plus one. I'm just giving her a dex mod of plus one. So she rolled a 12. What's your armor class? So minus the previous hit. Is that how that works? She did hit I, me before. Yeah, so armor is to see kind of how if you were to take any damage. So I'm trying to see, right now I'm just saying she's targeted you. She's rolled a 12. If you're at, it looks well, like so that's at, my question. That's my question. So does the armor class, as somebody who's not overly familiar with, with all the mechanics of D&D, does armor class ever go down kind of how like hit points would? Or is it just if as long as the damage never exceeds what my armor class is, then it just stays the same. Uh, from my understanding, with standard D&D 5e rules, I mean, without any sort of modifications, armor basically, I think, stays the same. I'm sure there's like an advanced rule somewhere. And then uh, it's just sort of like, lets you know if you're absorbing damage or not. I mean, maybe one day there's a, we'll make a narrative change to that where it would make more sense to lower your armor class over time. But at, for the sake of today, and since it's only a beer bottle, uh, we're not going to mess around with that stat in any sort of way. Okay, uh, so I'm at 16 then. So, so uh, let's just say it kind of, she lobs it a little too far to the left and ends up kind of hitting the wall. So now we have some, uh, as an aspect, our walls are covered in beer. And there's broken glass, which could also be useful. So keep in mind, you can use these to add a plus two. Just let me know if you plan on invoking it in any sort of way. So just for the listener, I have all these post-it notes kind of all over the place now that Trevor can see in case he can think of any sort of creative way uh, to use this to his advantage. Um, as Jason St. Josephine stalks towards you, he takes a swipe at you with his, let's see what kind of weapons he has. His longsword. So I roll a d20. Ooh, plus four and plus three, so seven. So I rolled a seven, so that would not hit, right? Nope. Okay. Okay, whiffs. so yeah, he whiffs uh, entirely. He gets his sword. He's kind of going at you in a piercing sort of manner, and I would say he. He kind of just, yeah, just whiffs it, goes right past you. Um, you're maybe able to get the inside ground, kind of cover some ground and get the inside, get on the inside of him, if, if you so choose to. Um, well, so you, you said I was pushed back into a table. So if I'm at that position, I think as he's, a, so he sta as he's stabbing, I maybe, I, I grab off the table Let's see if there's plates of food. So I just grab whatever's closest and I throw it at him to try and blind him. Okay. I guess I so go ahead and roll a d20 plus your dexterity mod plus, and then add two as well to, so that we know you invoke that aspect. Uh, six and then, so the dexterity mod, so that's like the plus one part. So, that, so seven. Seven all together. Oh, then I guess plus two, so nine. So nine. So, um, as a pirate captain, he has that 
I guess he's a little bit more, I would say, um, little, he's, he's a little bit more, he, you know, he's got some street smarts. He saw this move coming, so he kind of moves his head to the left or to the right, and the plate of food kind of goes sailing overhead and ends up just landing on the ground behind him somewhere. But now the ground has more food on it. So let's just say there's a little bit of marinara sauce or something like that on that plate. So now marinara on the floor. This is a, this uh, a cool tavern. Yeah. So um, Todd the Heroic, he finally kind of manages to get a little bit of courage. And by a little, I mean he's still halfway across the room. But he decides to stand up on a table and he kind of gives this, uh, I don't know, like a battle cry or something, something to, um, I guess, it's more so to build his own confidence than to build either of your confidence, your confidence or anybody else there, um, since he's the only one who's kind of acting like a coward. But as that happens, Simeon, the pet monkey of Saint Jason St. Josephine, has managed to lead a few of St. Jason St. Josephine's pirate crew into the bar to help with the captain. So I'm just going to drag a few of these little pirate tokens on um, to the map. You're still on the other side of the bar. They come, come th they're coming through the door. So now you have three uh, additional pirates that are here to aid the pirate captain. And the pirate captain, um, he doesn't. He tells the um, crew to handle Todd because he's got he's got you covered. So that's what he thinks. So what what do you do next? So so well, I guess my question is, what does Todd do? Right? I, I gotta. Can I do I trust? Do I see that he's not just running away again? Um, let's see what kind of inventory Todd has. Like I said, he's more of a guy that gets better with. Uh, Equipment. So, looks like he has a potion of the hill giant, which when you drink, his score, strength score changes to a, to 21 for one hour. The potion has no effect on you if your strength is equal to or greater than that score. So, I would say he pulls out a flask of, uh, of that looks like a liquor flask, and he just takes a chug of it. So that would boost his stats. Uh, temporarily to give him an extra, some extra strength. But meanwhile, you have uh, Jason St. Josephine to contend Yeah, I don't need to worry about it, is, is, is what I'm hearing. So that's good. So, so Stankmouth, he's coming at me, right? He's he's coming at me, and I can now tell there's no chance of de-escalating this, right? Like, I can see it in his eye and in his broken teeth that He's, he's, you know, he's looking for some murder. So I draw my sword. I'm ready for this fight. I also have this really weird quirk of every time I fight, much like an action movie. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that because I lose all my armor. I was going to say, then he has to take off his shirt, you know? Just kind of <laughs> unnecessary uh, skin bearing. But I don't want to lose my armor class, so I don't actually do that. So, yeah, so I pull out my sword. I, I maybe say, you know, can't we just split a, a plate of marinara? Marinara, um, have some beers. Is there any chance I don't have to kill you? Because I will kill you. I will win this fight. I'm also a little cocky. Um, Jason St. Josephine, he tells you, well, 
he says no. He just flat out says no. Um, there's no way that someone here doesn't uh, like. Someone might not die. Like he might not kill you, but someone. There's no way that his sister's honor won't be defended. So that's gonna mean you know some sort of punishment, whether it's uh, hurting you, hurting Todd, kidnapping you, throwing you overboard, leaving you on an island somewhere to without any food. You know. So he's pretty content on just defending his sister's honor this point because yeah fair i think it's also he's embarrassed he can't actually enjoy a good plate of pasta with that with those teeth um yep. so i i probably insulted him and not even realized it so i uh I, i'm gonna say i'm gonna take a swing at him um with my longsword uh okay. and and i let me think about how i do this so I, i've pulled it um i got it i'm, I'm kind of in uh kind of like the classic knight stance where i'm, I'm standing with my elbows up and it's kind of raised up, the hilt is up near my ear as I'm looking at him. So from there, I kind of do like a, say like a downward and upward strike. So I'm kind of cutting upward across his body. So the motion, as I'm watching you on Discord, it looks like you're almost swinging like a baseball bat, you know, towards the baseball. Is that kind of? I'd say it gets down under more, right? Cause like if the blade's turned up, so, the blade is is facing skyward. It's just kind of so it's coming upward at a diagonal fashion. Okay, you know what I mean? Like kind of swinging it down. I think so. Okay, so go ahead and roll. Let's see if uh, you hit. Uh, that would be a nat twenty. All right. So I believe the rules for a nat twenty is you get to roll damage twice, actually. I'm sure there's listeners out there that have every single rule memorized for D&D who would probably, who's probably screaming right now and doesn't telling me I'm doing it wrong. So, but I have, I have in my notes, critical hit, roll D20 twice and add modifier. So, so go ahead and yes, uh, roll damage twice, roll your D20 twice and add the modifier, whatever your damage would have been. So, on the sword. So, so it looks like for damage, you normally would deal a 1d10 plus 2. So roll for d20 twice and then add 2 instead of rolling and just choose the higher number. Roll a d20, not a d10? Yeah. And 9 and 10. So 10. So then, is that plus the 2? Uh, no, so 12 total. The twelve total. So, let's see, this guy has forty-five hit points. So he's now at thirty-three, right? No, yeah, thirty-three. Uh, so you you hit him pretty good. Right. Uh, and let's see, since let's see if, what kind of damage you would have done to this guy. So I'm gonna roll on our. I have a maiming. I it's something I created for the listeners. It's called the maiming table. So, basically, depending on the amount of damage a player or a person receives, uh, there's various amounts of injuries, types of injuries they can get, and depending on how severe the damage is, depends on the number, the size of the die that you roll. The, for a smaller injury, you would only roll a d4. For a potentially more damaging injury, it can go all the way up to a d10. So 
your so for this injury I'm gonna roll a d6 so it could be something minor or it could be something a little bit more major so so I rolled a three which actually it just is a broken hand so and he loses he has now he has disadvantage on strength and dexterity checks so uh, you swing at him you do hit him but you hit him with the flat, I would say you hit him with the flat part of your blade, you don't hit him with the edge. You just kind of fumble or twist the blade in a I'm weird... A newbie. Yeah. I'm a newbie. I don't know what I'm and, doing. And you hit his hand, and you end up breaking his hand. So now he's going to have a bit of a disadvantage in this, this fight. Um, as you are going through this exchange, the pirates circle uh, on the table. Mary decides to throw throw another bottle. She rolls a one, which I believe is she's targeting Todd. So let's see which if she manages to hit Todd. No, she misses Todd with the bottle and the bottle goes sailing overhead and it probably hits one of the other pirates and knocks the pirate. I'll say there's there's three pirates surrounding Todd. There's one to his left and his right and one kind of maybe towards his front on the table. And so she hits, the bow goes overhead and hits the guy to Todd's left and kind of knocks him unconscious. So now he's got two pirates to contend with. The pirates both make a move. They try to restrain Todd. So they, um, um, I'm going to roll for both of them to kind of see if they can grapple him and provide some sort of assistance. So to get their stats up. Dude, poor Mary, man. She's just not having any luck with these bottles. No, she's she's maybe been taking a nip on nip or two on her shift, so she's maybe mm. feel, feeling it. So, okay. so I got a ten. So between the two of them, uh, I have a nineteen total and a strength check. I'm sure there's rules here that I'm not doing right, um, but I don't exactly think a listener wants to listen to me turning pages, trying to figure out the exact rules for providing assistance. So at a 19, Todd has an armor of... Actually, I think armor isn't really something that's going to defend you from a grapple. It just doesn't make narrative sense. So I'm going to say his strength is what's probably going to be what prevents him from becoming grappled. And since he has this crazy strength right now from his uh, motion he's taken. The the player, the two pirates, they grab him by the arms and then he just sort of uh, like he stance, kind of shrugs him off and throwing him to the left and the right of him. And then he they kind of go flying. One hits the bar tape, the bar. The other one just kind of is lands somewhere on the ground and he jumps off the table feeling pretty confident that pretty full of himself it's a false confidence um but he's finally ready to enter the fray so jason st josephine he's probably up at this point i don't think he's taking a move in a while so he uh decides himself to jump up on the sword uh jump on the sword he jumps up on a chair which you know it's kind of clumsily and he uh then he kind of jumps off the chair very charismatic, like in this kind of flamboyant sort of way, you know, he's being a little bit extra. 
<clears throat> at this moment, and he jumps towards you, uh, swinging his longsword. Can um, he still swing at well, though? He's got a broken hand. So, disadvantage, right? Good point. So, yeah, he tries to swing his longsword, but it's kind of loosey-goosey. So, um, he's trying to really kind of take you off guard with this, this kind of crazy flamboyant attack. So he's going to actually just use some aspects. He's just going to use the scene of the, the chairs and what have you as a way to just kind of boost his stats since he's at a disadvantage. So what do you mean he's using the chairs? So he's using kind of the furniture in there, the furniture to gain the high ground. So like oh. I was saying, he's he's invoking kind okay. of the scenery to, to give himself a little bit of an advantage. 11 plus... So he has a 15 and a swing. 15? Um, yeah. My my armor class is still 16. Alright, so I guess how do you see yourself defending against this? Um, so he's kind of swinging down at me, but it's loosey-goosey. Sorry for the technical difficulties. During this portion of the podcast, we discovered that the Discord bot we were using to record our conversation had disconnected. My bad. Well, I don't know. You guys think more reliable lighting, like a kerosene, some sort of kerosene lantern. Does that seem fair instead of saying it's a torch? Whatever. Yeah, whatever you think, man. I, I guess I didn't know where we were at technologically um, in this world. So I went with torch, but lantern makes sense. It's going to smash better on his face. So I'm all for it. Okay. So you grab the torch or the lantern, and then what are you doing with it again? I'm, I'm just I'm throwing it at him because um, he has the high ground, so I don't really want to engage him, um, you know, up close with my sword. So I'm I'm gonna try and uh, throw the lantern and and you know knock him out, knock him down, knock him off the table. But I'm aiming for his face. All right, so go ahead and roll your d20. Um, and then add your dex modifier as well as a plus two to the lantern. Oh, nat 20. Okay, so that's going to hit. So go ahead and roll. Um, so it, it hits regardless. So go ahead for damage. Just uh, roll your 20 and then add dex plus the lantern again. Okay. We gotta figure out how to make these. So, eight plus one for my dex mod plus two, so eleven. Okay. So, again, you deal eleven damage. So, puts him at twenty-two. What was he at before? It's twelve. So. Technically, he's taking 24 damage at this point. So, 11 damage. Let's. We're gonna roll. Roll a d8, or see if you can. Actually, he's still kind of in the range of a d6. So I'm gonna roll a d6. See if we get anything more critical than a broken hand. Okay. So it hits him. It gives him a black eye. It hits him really hard in the face. So he's got a. Broken hand, and he's got a black eye at this point. Um, he's looking pretty ugly. Let's just say he's Ask lost. A sure. about, about what's happening to him. So, if it's a lantern, is it encased in glass? So, could it maybe 
like I don't know. Catch fire. Well, like smash. Maybe like he gets some glass in his eye. Maybe he's lost a little vision. I don't know. That's yeah, what I was picturing. He, yeah, so he's blinded at this point. And just for you to know, being blinded has the following effect. So creature can't see and automatically fails any ability check that requires sight. Attack rolls against this creature have advantage, and the creature attack rolls have disadvantage. So not anything you do to him has advantage at this point. And anytime he tries to hurt you, he's going to have disadvantage. Okay. I, would, I would say that too, um, there's pro since this place is a kind of a covered in beer and alcohol and spirits of different sorts all over, just from it being spilled and kind of being a dingy place, uh, fire, a fire has broken out kind of in the corner towards you. Mm. It's uh, kind of moving slowly in a line. It's slowly kind of like moving its way to other parts of the bar, but right now there's a small fire nearby and he is blind so let's see but he's blind and he has a broken face his i would say his face is pretty broken in general like he's probably got a broken orbital bone uh he's probably lost some teeth because this lantern is kind of heavy it's not just like getting hit in the face with like uh like a saw like a baseball or something. i mean that could break your teeth but it's it's a pretty uh weighty item to be hit with so has he fallen from the table, or is he still up there? Yeah, he's fallen from the table, and just like as a natural clumsiness, let's say he like loses an additional two points because he hits the ground pretty hard. So he's at 20. The remaining health is 20? Yeah. So Todd, Todd is fighting these pirates. This third pirate has kind of recovered and regained consciousness, so now we have three pirates that he is contending with. And uh, the two, two of them try to grapple him, so let's see if they can do that again. I got a nat 20, so uh, I would say 20 and 18, so plus, how did I do this last time? Okay, added strength, so 20 plus 2, and then, so 220, so that'd be 40. They grapple, they managed to grapple him, and then the third pirate who regained consciousness comes up behind and he throws like a burlap, like a, some sort of sackcloth thing over his head and uh, to like cover his face, and they wrestle him to the ground and the thing has kind of been soaked in some sort of chloroform sort of agent and it knocks Todd out. So now they have the high ground and they have your boss held ca uh, captured and being held hostage and S Jason St. Josephine who is clearly losing this fight also uh, he tries to I guess bargain with you at this point because I think he it, either way, someone's gonna die. He's telling you, like, he's he knows you could kill him, but if he dies, then they're gonna kill Todd. So he's trying to bargain with you. So, um, do you find yourself being receptive, I guess, to something like that? Or, I think, I think I say he's got it twisted because I have the advantage on him. So, why is he trying to bargain? I think I'm the one who maybe tries to bargain, who's saying, like, if you don't let my boss go. I'm gonna kill you. So it's kind of on you to let him go and let us get out of here safely. Yeah. So let's see if you let's see if you can, I guess, uh, sway him. If you're swaying him in any sort of way. So uh, let me see how we do this. I would say you don't have. I don't think you have persuasion, do you? Um. 
Because you're using a kind of a modifier. Nice. Would that be my skills, or where would that be? Yeah, I think, yeah, if you have persuasion, you can roll persuasion. If not, otherwise, you can, um, you just will roll charisma. Okay, I, I don't have, um, persuasion, but I have perception, so I, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty correct in my analysis here. Um, but, okay, roll, I'll roll charisma. Ten, with no modifiers, so just ten. Alright, so... Is he's not entirely convinced. He thinks he has the advantage here, and kind of as and he keeps kind of telling you like you need to stand down or else uh, this is going to be a problem for you and your boss. And as he says that, more pirates kind of start to arrive from his ship, and they kind of keep coming in. And these ones don't go to surround Todd. Todd's already taken out, so they they kind of come in and they kind of come and start to support their boss. Um, so now it looks like it's a fight. You have a you have a maimed pirate captain, but you also have three of his lackeys also kind of providing backup. So now it's a four against five, or four against one. This is what we call, this is what we in the industry call a pickle. This, this, is, this is not good. I'm also looking like I'm in this tavern. Is there no, uh, no escape behind me? It looks like so I'm, I'm kind of locked in here. Hmm. He promises you that you know if you come quietly, they won't, they won't kill you. At least not out in the open. So what was his bargain again? If I just if I just stand down, S- stand down. He, uh, they won't kill Todd, and they won't kill you. Hmm. Well, I'm thinking. So there's also this fire. Um. So I'm thinking what I do is if there's, you know, bottles of of glass or of beer and liquor and stuff all around me, I think I take one and I throw it at the fire, hoping that if it kind of, ex- you know, explodes um, and, or, you know, just big, whoa, big kind of, sorry, I knocked my hat off my head, listener. Uh, so, yeah, so if, if the fire kind of just flares up, It'll be a distraction, and I can maybe run run past. Um, and my hope is to get past Jason St. Josephine and the three there, and then be able to maybe do a quick move and, and grab Todd and, and drag him out. Okay, yeah, so uh, the flame explodes, and it uh, creates a flash. So your character, you're saying sprints past them as that flash happens? Yep. Okay, so it creates a flash, and then I would say a blaze. There's kind of a bit of a blaze kind of in this area, and it's really starting to pick up. Things are getting pretty hot. So I want to have you do a constitution saving throw since you were running through this fire to see if uh, you were burned in any sort of way. Okay. 11 plus 2, so 13. All right, so you do uh, get a burn, so just subtract uh, five. From my health? So you're burned, I would say that, let's see, how would, how should a burn work? I would say you would have a bit of a disadvantage. I guess, where do you see yourself being burned? Legs, arms, face? Where is this burn on your body? 
Mm, well, I guess my question is to you is when it happens. So is it, because if I throw the bottle and it breaks and explodes and there's that flare, am I kind of caught in that initial burst of heat as I'm trying to run past? Or is it like I get past them and then the fire's just out of control and like I can't get around it. So I'm going to, I'm going to get burned trying to leave. I think it kind of ignites as it's like hitting the fire and you have to kind of almost jump through the fire a little bit to get to it. It hasn't taken off quite as much as it has now. That's like kind of engulfing this tavern, but it, it's, there's a bit of an explosion and you're kind of running through it. I, I would say it was like a, you were chucking it as you're running. If that makes sense. Right. Right. So I would say it's, it's gonna, it's gonna probably mostly be on the, my right side of my body. And so as I'm going, it's just kind of this big, you know, kind of flash of heat. So I get, I don't know, kind of like, I guess in the moment, you probably won't realize how bad it is. It'll be one of those things later as the skin starts to fall off and peel and pus, but kind of like a two-faced thing. So the right side of my face, it's, it's all burned. And then the hair on that side of the head, it's singed. I don't know if it'd be totally gone because I, I got some luscious locks, but uh, yeah. So the right side of my body, it's, it's all kind of, you know, feeling burned. So my, my exposed hand on that side, is not covered by armor. That's probably got a little burn as well. Okay, so I think that's fair. So I would say any sort of weapon you wield, hey, is the right hand your dominant hand, do you think, for this character? Mm, this is a this is an interesting moment to ask me that, because I'm going to say no, just so I'm not <laughs> at a disadvantage. Okay, so I would say that if you have to use your right hand for something, say it's wielding a two-handed weapon, like a longsword perhaps, or... Or like a bow, maybe, having a... Or a bow, you're going to have a disadvantage. If you have a dagger, which I don't think your character is equipped with one, that you can wield one-handedly, or have a beer bottle that you can wield in one with one hand, um, then that's going to be... Uh, you'll still have regular... Your stats will be fine. So, does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Okay, so you got past them. The fire is going crazy. These guys have got your boss captured. And I'm guessing you... Like, how do you see yourself kind of getting through these guys to get him? Are they distracted at all? Or how do they react to the fire in this, in this kind of quick developing situation? Because um, like, I'm say... thinking, like, their boss is now caught in the fire too, so do they maybe get kind of really concerned with trying to help him? Do they, do they stick with Todd? I would say that one of them, uh, actually two of them are going to move off to uh, help. Uh, one of them moves moves towards the boss, another one moves sort of towards the bar and is runs around and is trying to find something to throw on the flame flames and idiotically just grabs more liquor and keeps throws it on the flames and then he becomes engulfed and then one of them who's not an idiot she sticks with or she or he or whoever sticks with um todd um to provide you know to to guard him and wasn't kind of didn't really fall for it so sure so um so i'm just dealing with one guy here or so girl, this, or yes, one one opponent. Um, so this is a this is a quick developing situation. So so my hands burned. I know I'm not gonna have a great uh, swing with my sword. So I sheath that because it's still in my left hand. So I sheath it, 
and I, I try to do a, a quick two-step move. So again, I grab um, some pieces of broken glass and I try to like throw them up like into the guy's face. And then while that's happening, like I throw that with my bad hand because like it's not perfect, but you know I can probably get it. Just it's it's a distraction. Um, then with my other hand, I grab um, a knife, one of the cutlery from a table, and I come lunging in when he's distracted, or hopefully when he's distracted to try and stab him in the throat. Okay, so let's see what happens. With first, let's break it down. So the first thing you did is you threw a glass, right, or something at this person. So throw, roll your d20, add your dexterity mod. Um, so all together, nine. Are you in the aspect okay. or anything, since I'm using... Oh, yeah. No. So, well, I guess, how are you, what's the aspect you're using, and how are you using it? So it has to make sense. So the the broken glass, right? Isn't that, that's, that's an environmental thing. Okay, so do you think maybe like the light catches the glass somehow, so that way it's reflective, and maybe, or so maybe it shines, or just the fact that it's a, a weapon, uh, a non-ordinary weapon, something maybe they weren't looking towards, looking to having to dodge or whatever, maybe it is a distraction in itself. See what I'm trying to say? Like it kind of needs to like. I do. I feel like maybe I was not totally ever clear on what you meant by aspect. You kind of just said it, so I was interpreting it. Maybe I'm incorrect in that. That's maybe I just wasn't. I didn't hear the explanation. Um, but I was thinking it was just like if I interact with the environment around me, and and you said like in an inspiring way. Because I don't. Maybe that's. I don't know. Just it's creative. I thought you know to, to engage with the environment. So I thought maybe I would get some points. If I don't get points, I don't get points. That's all good. It is. It's meant to be creative and to be a kind of a storytelling thing and to help, you know, with the storytelling. So I'm just saying, let's think of a way where you can use that broken bottle. So let's say the, let's say there's, I mean, there's obviously a lot of light from this fire. So maybe there's a bit of glare or something that catches on the glass that distracts that person. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't, I, I'm going to just maybe forego that because I don't think that would be as distracting. As, as you know a big blaze around him and then like the stuff just flying into his face so let's let's disregard that so we'll just stick with um i think i said i had an, i had 11 total okay so i'm gonna see i'm gonna just roll athletics to see if this person is athletic enough to move out of the way um no they're not so they rolled a seven so you hit him with the broken bottle so mm, broken glass glass so go ahead and roll i don't think it should let's roll a let's roll a d4 plus your dexterity man i'm thinking glass isn't gonna do as much damage as say like a dagger or a or a sword or anything so i don't want to yeah like, this i mean this is just supposed to be a distraction here so that makes sense so d4 plus anything or just your dexterity dexterity okay uh, two plus one, so three. Three. Okay. So, okay. So the person is distracted. They take a bit of damage. Um, I would say it hits them in the face. They become blinded. So this person is blinded from glass. Um, so you manage to distract them. So now what's your next move? What was the thing so you I, wanted? Yeah, so I grab a knife from a nearby table 
So I, I throw it, and then I'm at, like I'm running towards him as I throw the glass in his face, and so I swipe a knife off a nearby table as I'm coming, and then I try to like get in close and thrust it up into his throat. So he's blinded. He doesn't see this attack coming. I would say he has disadvantage. I'm thinking, does his armor really matter at this point? He's blinded. He's not seeing it. I'm thinking, no, for narrative's sake, we're just going to forego that particular role. Let's see if you you hit, though, or how much you hit him for. So a dagger has uh, 1d4 piercing damage. So go ahead and roll a d4 and see if that, um, see what kind of damage you do to him. Okay, let me make sure. The D4 is this triangle one. Okay. Uh, one. Okay, yeah. so you hit you hit him. Doesn't do a ton of damage. You maybe get him. Uh, let's say you get him in between the ribs, so in the intercostal sort of area, and that intercostal uh, causes him to receive an exhaustion level of one. So this guy is um, pretty. Let's say he's. He's getting pretty messed up, and so he has a disadvantage on ability checks if he didn't already, which he did. So he goes, he takes a knee. He is down. He's trying to catch his breath, and uh, but he is or she's not out of the fight. So they kind of swing their longsword from the knees, kind of up, trying to kind of at you. Um, but I'm gonna roll with disadvantage, so to see if you're see if they can actually hit you from this kneeling position. So seven plus two is eight, nine, and your armor is what, 16? Yes. Right, so he whips it, or he, or whoever, uh, whips the sword, the blade, and kind of the, the positioning of them being on their knees and the weight of the sword and the momentum and all that, it uh, kind of knocks them on their butt and they fall backwards. Uh, um, just from the the energy that it took to kind of swing the sword, so they're they're prone currently. Um, so you are, so it's you're up next. Yeah, I feel like at this point, you know, I'm 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 kind of enraged. I'm feeling the bloodlust. So I try to so like he's on the ground. So I kind of grab him by his collar and I throw him into the fire. Oh, the guy you're fighting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, roll uh, strength with disadvantage. Uh, which die? 20 plus uh, your strength modifier. 13 plus 2, 16. Did you roll twice? Oh, no. Uh, 10 plus 2, 12. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, they're struggling, and uh, they're trying to <laughs> get free. And you managed to get them. I would say like halfway into the fire because this is a person who's who's kind of fighting with you, and you're already at a, in a weakened state too. So you're both kind of weak at this point. Uh, so this person, you know, for whatever reason, um, I would say they probably have a flask of alcohol or, or a bottle of something on their their side on their person because they're a pirate maybe some paper playing cards they're not very uh this is like not like covered in 
they're not like new playing cards where they have a nice glossy finish. So they're just straight up paper. And both those things catch fire. So this person's legs are kind of on fire and they're screaming. And uh, Todd is totally, he's just out cold, laying on the ground, unaware that this fire is happening. A few of these other pirates that were in the fire somehow managed to kind of get through. And they're not super close because there's still fire and they're but they're trying to kind of get through to you they've managed to change positions here so um i guess um, and then some of these let's say i have these people there are some people kind of outside the building and they're they're spectating the fire you know they're like watching this place burn kind of enjoying it crowds sort of formed at this point kind of just enjoying the the blaze. A guard, a town guard, has wandered over into the area and he doesn't really dare go in, but he's outside and he's kind of screaming um, to see if there's any kind of survivors or anybody inside. But smoky. Okay. Okay, go ahead. So I think, um, again, with just how many bottles and everything that's around, I, I mean, I guess I don't know if there's still is. If there, if there's a bottle near me, I again, I kind of throw it like between me and Saint Josephine and all the other pirates to try and create a barrier of fire so they can't just pursue us with you know without uh, it, like difficulty. And okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean. To no, I was gonna say, I, yeah, I, was, I don't know if that succeeds. So. Okay, go ahead and roll a, a d20, add your, let's see if there's any modifiers for that. Um, that would make sense. Try and look at your stats. Um, let's just say it's an intelligence, because it kind of requires some wits to think to uh, throw a, a bottle to spark the flame. So go ahead and roll a d20. Thirteen. All right, so that works. The flame, uh, it goes up, um, creates another sort of barrier, uh, explodes, and uh, just further shields you from the group. But Mary McClintock, she tosses a bottle your way. So let's see if she, oh shoot, I dropped my dice. She throws a bottle your way. Um, it's a 15. So looks like, what's your strength at, 16? Right. Armor, my armor 16. Yeah, armor 16. Um, it uh, doesn't manage to land or it bounces off you or whatever. So um, it has an unexpected, for her, it has an unexpected effect. But what should have been obvious is that this stuff is flammable and there's a fire that sort of it bounces off of you. It kind of starts to, <clears throat> starts to form kind of as kind of spreading towards the furniture in a way. How would you like to proceed? Um, so I'm standing there and I, I'm just, I'm giggling. I'm laughing. I got my guy next to me screaming in the fire. Um, Mary McClintock, her, she continues to fail with her projectile bottles, which, you know, at this point is just becoming hilarious. I'm kind of getting that, that battle hysteria. And now there's, a, there's, you know, all the other pirates, they're trapped in flames. So, so, like I said, I, I'm kind of in this, this bloodlust madness. Um, so what I do is, as I bend and I and I get Todd on my back, and 
even though now there's there's a fire on the other side of us, it looks like maybe between the door and and I uh, or us. You know, I know I got to run through that to get out. So with him on my back, I run through the fire towards the door. Okay. Um. So let's see if you let's see how this fire does let's roll out <clears throat> do an athletics check to see if you managed to kind of if you were able to kind of like leap over the fire or if you just ended up getting burned okay d20 yep, plus uh your athletics which is four yep uh 13 plus four so 17. all right so you're able to get over the fire or get through it maybe like something like a there's just a slight parting where you're able to kind of get through it. And the two of you get through the door. Uh, the guard who... Not yet. Not yet. Sorry. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I get through the fire, and then once I'm safely on the other side, I I tip like a table into the fire uh, to kind of, you know, build it up so they really they can't get out. They're trapped. Okay. And then, then we leave. Okay. So, or I don't know why I did that. But anyway, so you get through the fire. The guard kind of get to you and he helps to take uh the weight of todd off your back um and he and allowing you to kind of just walk through the door so todd is now on this guard's back shoot the okay there it goes you get through the door you're in the bar and all these people are stuck trapped in there and then another guard who kind of came came later comes actually two guards come later and uh, they put handcuffs they take you under arrest and they put handcuffs why they don't know anything about what happened I disagree with this I'm under protest as far as I know I was just having a pleasant meal with my buddy and a fire broke out and we're lucky to have survived they don't know the carnage that's raining inside (laughs) 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 I mean that's fair but I mean until things get sorted they're gonna put Put you two under arrest until they can uh, they can figure out what exactly happens. What kind of justice system is this? <laughs> and that would uh, that concludes our first uh, actual play of the sidekick. So.